Welcome back, family, to the Free Money Podcast, where we have genuine conversations with players and coaches about careers, their come up, and better than that, this is where we take the filters off and we have real conversations. 2020 was a tough year for all of us, but I'm happy to come into 2021 with a great friend and a mentor, head recruiting coordinator, Alabama A&M, Coach Michael Morgan. Coach, Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I want to jump right into it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sounds right. A few years at Osmar Christian, where you was one of the guys who pushed the program into what it was. Then you jumped on to Facebook. Tell me about your time in the prep circuit at that time. That's what we call it now. Yeah. And it really didn't exist. So we have to jump in right there because the knowledge that you gave me is why Carolina Prep is what it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, I mean, obviously, we were kind of at the forefront of the the prep school idea. And when you start something out, it's not met with a lot of people that really buy into what you're, you're talking about. It's very different. It's not the normal. And we just had to grind it out in a different kind of way. It, it was an unbelievable opportunity because when you are at the national level in a prep high school, it is, it's really no different than running a college program. It's the same thing. The difference at the college level is you already have resources in your budget. At the prep level, you have to go create those resources to have a budget. But in regards to recruiting players, finding the right fit, finding games, traveling the country. It's absolutely no different. Starting those schools in Florida was really difficult because at the time there weren't any. Shortly after we got started, the state association also decided that they really didn't want any part with the prep schools. And uh, it forced our hand to start our own organization and association, which is still standing the SIAA, Sunshine Independent Athletic Association. It was Oldsmar Christian School, the Rock from Gainesville, Arlington Country Day School, Potter's House, IMG Academy, Faith Baptist. And it was a get out you live type of league. Everybody had multiple Division One players on their team, had multiple Division One players, you know, on their bench. You know, you had guys like Joel Embiid in the league, Scotty Wilbekin in the league, you know, Rodney Magruder. On the women's side, you had, you know, this young lady who was in like seventh, eighth grade who wasn't bad. She just became the number one overall player in the country. She was sitting on the bench at Potter's house along with their, you know, seven BCS high major players that they had. So it's just totally, totally different experience in, in every kind of way. What were some of the things that you did fundraising-wise? Yeah, I mean, everything. I mean, any and everything. You know, days at Oldsmar in the summer were long and unbelievably productive. They started off at five and six o'clock in the morning. We would, you know, go pick up whatever young ladies, young men needed to get to summer school. Uh, we would run a basketball camp throughout the morning time and it would end in the afternoon but at about two o'clock whatever coach was in charge of taking parents and the players to go work the concession stand at the Tampa Bay Rays game they would leave and they would go work the Rays game they'd work the whole game slanging hot dogs you know and nachos and then we'd get done there at around eight or nine drive back drop all the kids off and probably get home at 11 or 12 and you know that was Monday through Friday Mm. you know we work in every concession 
Garden Session Stand. We could in St. Pete at the Tampa Bay Race Stadium at Tropicana Field. We worked every concession stand we could at the Tampa Bay Lightning. There were the Ice Palace at the time. We worked every concession stand we could at Raymond James Stadium at the Buccaneers games. So, I mean, we were year-round working concession stands. And then in addition to that, you know, I created a, a watch fundraising company that we did. I mean, we would go to events that we were playing in and, and we would sell creative merchandise or T-shirts or whatever yeah. else, just anything to create opportunity for our young ladies. And it was it was kind of dual purpose because we had to pay to get into events. We had to pay for um, transportation and things of that nature. But, you know, the young ladies that were in my program, we also had to figure out ways to eat. And so a lot of the different things when we would get to the event was actually so, you know, we would have the ability to, to really do what we needed to as far as eating something and, uh, you know, having Gatorade and things of that nature in the van so that you know everybody's just taken care of so that they can handle their business on the floor. Wow. How did you get into coaching women anyway or, and young ladies? It, it's kind of different, actually. Oh. You know, it's very much directed by the Lord in my faith. I had, uh, I had zero ambition or idea that I was going to be coaching girls basketball uh, or women's basketball. I had the privilege of working under a guy named Ryan Pannone at Oldsmar Christian School, and he's actually the, the G League coach for the Pelicans right now, and he was an unbelievable mentor to me, and, and we were really building the Oldsmar program up. We had sent you know, probably 10 or 12 guys D1 in a three-year period, and another 10 or 12 guys went D2. And being at a small Christian school, and it's an independent school, a lot of times the rules and regulations of the school can at times prohibit some of the growth that you're trying to see. And so one of the rules at Osmar that was very interesting was here we are, we're a top 25 high school program in the country. And that was great. But the rule was that right after school, the middle school girls team got to have the court for an hour. And then after them, the middle school boys team got to have the court for an hour. And then after them, the high school girls team got to have the court for an hour and a half. And then we could do whatever we wanted after that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, so we can practice as long as we want as long as it's after seven o'clock at night <laughs> you know like and that's what it was it was you know Osmar it was one court it was it was a gym that had one court that's it no no other stuff no other courts you know it's not this uh massive facility you know you see the players that we had and what we we're doing you think oh man this must be some you know unbelievable you know multi-court complex and no not at all one court and so the girls team was so bad that we were trying to convince them that it might just be about time to just hang it up with the girls program they hadn't won a game in about two years they had maybe like six or seven young ladies on the team they didn't even really want to play basketball the school was making them play every sport if they wanted to play one sport so we're just like hey can if you guys will give us that other hour and a half you know we want to start a second team we think we can get enough people in here we can have two teams and i remember talking to the pastor and the athletic director and we're talking and they're like well we just need the right coach to coach the girls team. We think it can take all. And I remember being smart, being, you know, sarcastic and saying, listen, if Jesus himself comes down here and coaches that team, they're still in trouble. And they looked at me and they said, you know, we don't think we can get Jesus 
Texas to come coach him. But we do think we know somebody who, who follows him and loves him. And that's why we want you to coach the girls program. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to do this. But you know, what was really interesting was the Lord just worked on my heart and, um, and just made it clear like, hey, you know, this is where I have for you to get back at. And, and so I did. I took that girls program and they had lost, you know, every game since I don't know when. And I took those seven young ladies and we started working. What was very interesting was there was a young lady in the city that I was training at the time, and I had trained since she was probably fourth or fifth grade. She was a, you know, she was a borderline Division One player, and uh, I remember getting a phone call from her, and she said, "Hey, I took, I heard you took the Oldsmar job." And I said, "I don't know what you're talking about. What do you, what do you mean?" And uh, well, I heard that you're the coach at Oldsmar, and I said, "Listen, I, when are you going to be over here to train?" And uh, she said, "Well, I'm I'm outside right now." And I said, "What do you mean you're outside right now? Well, my mom and I are enrolling me in school here." And so now I've got the worst team in the whole state of Florida and a division one player. And so the next year we played a team in our first game, we played the same team they lost to at the end of the year, same two teams. Now I'm the coach at my one division one player and they had lost to them by 30 or so. We walk in there and beat them by like 30 or so in the first game. And it just skyrocketed from there. You know, we had won like four or five games at Christmas um, and everyone was excited. And then I said, Hey, I'll see you guys on Monday. And uh, they decided not to come back because it's Christmas break. So after that, we had an influx of like seven transfers from the, the city of Tampa. And the next year we were like a top 50 team in the country. And that's where it just kind of took off from. So after your time at Oldsmar. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we all moved to Faith Baptist for a year and it, it was just unbelievable. We had a bunch of teams and that situation was kind of interesting because we were unbelievable as far as basketball. But some of the different things that we needed uh, weren't handled and mm-hmm. it created a scramble for all of us coaches. And what people don't realize is the staff that was at Faith Baptist, Ryan Pannon, who's the G League head coach for the Pelicans, Jordan Fair, who was the recruiting coordinator at the University of Louisville until recently, and now he's the head coach at Oldsmar. Kenny Gillian, who is the head coach at West Oaks Academy right now mm-hmm. uh, on, on the guy's side, and Diane, who is his wife. So you're talking about five real deals in one place. And we ended up all having to scatter our own way. And so I just started applying for any and every college job that I could because I had just graduated from college mm-hmm. at that point, and I had no clue what in the world I was going to do. I knew I wanted to coach basketball. I was hoping that an opportunity to coach basketball would arise, but it was really a struggle. It was really, really a struggle. I filled out hundreds of applications. I think I got three phone interviews. And one of the guys that I interviewed was, you know, Brandon Turner at St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana. Here I am, city boy, Tampa, Florida. And mm-hmm. this man interviews me and he calls me back a couple of days later and he's like, you know, I want to offer you the job here. I'm going to give you a dorm room. I'm going to give you a meal plan. I'm going to pay you $13,000 to come be my assistant coach at St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana. And I was thrilled about it. And so I packed everything that I had (laughs) into a van and I moved to St. Joe's and I was there for a year. And then after that year, how did you get to the world famous East Mississippi Community College? Yeah, last chance you. So I get a phone call from my brother, like my big brother, DJ Harrison. He calls me and he says, hey, bro, you tired of being cold yet? 
And I was, and I said, absolutely. I'm not built for this. You know, this isn't the life for me right now. And he said, okay, well, I got somebody I want you to talk to. And uh, I said, okay, sounds great. So he got me in contact with Sharon Thompson, who was the head coach at East Mississippi Community College. Still there. Unbelievable lady. Does a great job. She's also now the athletic director. And I interviewed with her on the phone. Uh, the interview went well. And she asked me when I might want to come in for an in-person interview. And I said, you know, how about if I'm there in two days? Uh, went and got a rental car, drove from Indiana to Mississippi and did an in-person interview and toured the campus and accepted the position that she offered me. So that's kind of how that happened. I mean, DJ helped me out, put me in contact and I just went from there. So how many years were you there and were you there when they were shooting Last Chance You? Yeah, yeah. So I was there for three years um, and I was there for all of the seasons of Last Chance You, uh, actually. You know, my first year there, season one, and my second year was season two. And, you know, like you saw in the documentary, uh, it's a small place. <laughs> you know, everybody <laughs> knows everybody. You know, on the weekends, it, you know, in Mississippi, it, community college shuts down Friday through Sunday. So it's just Monday through Thursday school. And so, you know, on the weekends, you know, pretty much everybody would scatter except for, you know, your out-of-state athletes and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, I lived on campus. They come knock on my door. Hey, coach. We can play pickup after lunch. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, you know, let's go right from the calf over there and play pickup. And so, you know, all of these guys that you see on Last Chance U, DJ Law, Chad Kelly, all of those guys were playing pickup. What was amazing to uh, a lot of our basketball players' surprise was how unbelievable these guys were on the basketball court. Those dudes were high major athletes. Now, they might not have had skill sets, but when I tell you those dudes were jumping out the building and dunking everything. It was a lot of fun to play with them because if you can throw a lob, you can get a lot of assists playing with those guys. You just really can. And it was it was a great time there. Unbelievable opportunity to be there and then also to just learn from Coach Thompson, who's, who's unbelievable. So being there at, at the junior college, is that where you develop your skills to recruit? You know, what's interesting is it wasn't my experience at East Mississippi that gave me the ability to recruit. It was actually my experiences at Oldsmar Christian School and Faith Baptist. And not even from the recruiting standpoint, Standpoint. It was actually from the get my kids recruited standpoint. When I was at Oldsmar Christian School, we sent emails, myself and my players, we sent emails to every single college in the country that had scholarship money three times that year. So mm. D1, D2, NAI Division One, Division Two, USCAA Division One, JUCO, everything, NCCA. If you had scholarship money, you got an email from us. And and one of the things that, that would happen, and this is just kind of my, I guess, my backwards mindset, so to speak, is, you know, my players, they actually, a lot of them had a free period. And so I'd make them come in there during the free period to help me send these emails out. Because you're talking about thousands and thousands of emails. I mean, that's a lot of emails. And uh, it was before, like, uh, MailChimp and all of these all of mm -hmm. these services that you can use now. I mean, we I had to get it, like, one at a time, get it. And one of the things that our players, 
players were like kind of upset or complaining about is they was like, coach, man, I send out like 10 emails and, you know, like only one coach responds and I'm backwards of my thing. And I said, man, that's great. So that yeah. means if we send out like a thousand emails, we're going to get a hundred. hundred. Yeah. You know? like, I was like, bro, we about to get everybody recruited. You know, like, I'm like super excited. Like, I'm like, bro, we got look, one thing we got. We got time to send out emails, y'all. So look, y'all can't, y'all don't get frustrated. I said, how many emails you getting out of an hour? Man, about 15, maybe 18. I said, man, that's two coaches. Two people going to hit us back, you know. In in doing that, what was unbelievable to me was I had some really good programs, different regions fly into Tampa, Florida to watch my kids play. Mm. I had schools from Connecticut fly in, schools in the Northeast, schools on the West Coast. So here we are in Tampa, Florida. We're locked in by the water. It's hard to get recruited when you're in Florida. So everyone has to fly in, but the people that would respond to the emails and fly in and show interest, it was a really unique group of people. It was just all over the place. It was scattered. There was no rock a reason to it. And so I took that same philosophy and I said, if I will watch like five high school games a day, if I watch the first quarter of five high school games a day, then at the end of the year, I'll have watched about 1,500 high school films, which each game's going to have two teams in it. So I'll have watched about 3,000 different high school teams. And then they each got 10 players. So I watched 30,000 different players. Somebody's going to be good that nobody knows about. I'm going to find something. You know, we're going to find a kid here and there that is special. And when you're at places that are smaller schools, you can't rely on recruiting services as much because everyone else that can afford that recruiting service is looking at those same kids and it's going to be hard for you to get the kid that's getting the attention from all of the people that are subscribing to the recruiting service. So you have to find kids that aren't on people's radars in order to be successful. You know, that's what I did when I was at East Mississippi. That's what we've been doing at Alabama A&M. That's really how we approach it. We absolutely want to recruit the top players in our area, the top players in our region. But a lot of times everyone else is recruiting all of those players too. So we need to find some pieces in some areas that nobody knows to look or would think to look. We got to find niches. You know, where can we be uh, special in a place that's different? You know, and, and so that's kind of our approach in recruiting, you know, and that's where we've had our success. And, and going back to those Oldsmar days, that's why I do that. Turn every rock over. And let me ask you, yes, how sir. does it feel going from being a former HBCU player and now coaching at HBCU? But the factor is that a lot of people who listen in right now don't know You're <laughs> that I'm a, six, I'm a six five redheaded white man yeah there you go, there you go. That's, that's what they don't know absolutely absolutely so I love HBCUs I love HBCUs for a different reason when I was looking at what schools I was going to go to one of the things that I figured out pretty quickly was the places that embrace the community that I came from and that their goal was to empower the community that I came from and I am I Obviously, you know, like I just mentioned, I'm not black, but I grew up in an urban community. And if you are in an urban community and you go to an HBCU, you will quickly see that the things that go on in your community are significant. 
And the goal of the HBCU is to educate and impact you so you can go back and you can empower that community. And uh, and so that was the thing for me from an educational standpoint. And then in regards to the other stuff, I mean, there's no other environments that are like anywhere. Like there's nowhere else that you can get remotely the, the atmosphere that you get at an HBCU basketball game. I say that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> in women's basketball, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we have plenty of juice in our gym. You know, the band's going to be there, the dancers, the DJ, the cheerleaders. You know, it, it's just a whole different kind of atmosphere. It's an experience, to be honest with you, uh, as opposed to it being a game. And, you know, obviously not during COVID. You know, we're very much following following COVID protocols and social distancing and all of those things. Um, But, you know, when you go to a, when you go to most college women's games, with the exception of elite of the elite, it's a lot of big, beautiful, empty, echoing gym. That is never the case. Uh, you know, for us, I mean, our last home game last year when we hosted the first round playoff game, they ran out of student tickets and they had to go get some more printed. And there was a line of a couple of hundred people outside of the door at lunchtime. And I walked out like, hey, what's going on? They like, coach, man, we proud of the girls. We, hey, we're going to be here. We'll wait in this line until they give us our tickets. We coming tonight. We sold our gym out for a women's first round tournament game. It was packed. It was unbelievable. There was nowhere to sit. There was nowhere to stand and it was just it was just unbelievable i mean being at a hbcu is is great it's a blessing to be a part of it's great for our, our, our young ladies because they're really appreciated the community supports them in an unbelievable way and uh and they're growing as people and academically in ways that you know second to none they're not leaving here the same way they came and they're not just leaving as better basketball players they're they're leaving as grown women that have grown in their thinking their opinions their mindsets and how they're going to attack this world and uh, and be impactful. Uh, give me some information about five and two A and M team this year. The five and two A and M team. Well, first off, you know we started off this year uh, with with eight players, the grade A. You're talking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, coach. Hold on. You're talking about a D one team. D one D one scholarship. Yes. How do y'all get the eight players? You know, I think that you know what's happening is there are so many side effects of COVID outside of just people being impacted by catching and getting really ill from COVID. And there has been so many injuries this year because of the fact that these young ladies were not in a situation last spring and last summer to prepare their bodies for what they need to do in the fall. We lost two young ladies to ACL tears and another young lady to an Achilles tear. And we weren't even doing anything. We were like lightly trying to jog back into place and ODing about don't turn too hard when you touch the line, just kind of ease into it. You know, so just the fact that these young ladies are, they're different. They're built different in regards to their athleticism, their explosiveness, the way that they operate as college athletes. It's very important that they're able to have the time to prepare their bodies for what they're able to do. Like they are high, high end sports cars and they have to have the right gas and, and maintenance. So we lost a couple of young ladies to, to season ending injuries. And then we've had some other unfortunate things happen with COVID. And we had a couple of young ladies that were worried about COVID and, and their health. And, and so they decided that this year wasn't going to be a good year for them to, to play. So we quickly got chopped down to eight. And so we played our first game with eight. We were fortunate to come 
come on top against an unbelievable Troy team. Uh, and then we played two more uh, non-conference games. And then in our first conference game versus the preseason number one team in our league, our captain, who's been playing 30 minutes a game for three years and a senior tore ACL in that game. Mm. We went, now we have seven. But it, it's amazing because amongst the young ladies that are in that seven are the same young ladies that chose us as a, their school five years ago when we first got here and we were RPI dead last in the country. And they said, you know what? I want to come here. We believe in you guys. We're going to win the first championship in Alabama A&M history at the Division One level. And so that same group of seven young ladies, well, not seven, but the, the three senior, four of them actually, the four seniors that made the decision to come to us when we had zero wins are the young ladies that are handling the adversity of COVID and they're handling it well. They've already resurrected a program. So dealing with other adversities is okay for them. They're fine. They they take it in strides. I remember when we talked and you first took that job. Yes, sir. I when they looked at the uh the schedule. Yeah. Going, but I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I at the roster. Yeah. I was like, but you from day one, you believed. You told me coach was great. And you know, and coaches, you know, just need the right pieces in there. Yeah. You, you yeah. guys did it. Coming off a three-game winning streak, coach, has she been out for the last three games or no, 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 no. She was out yes, for two games and then she was back for our game on Monday at Texas Southern. And uh when we're talking about coach, we're talking about the one and only Margaret Richards. She is uh she is the reason why I believe uh in coming to Alabama AM and knew that we would turn it around because she's just she's just different. She is unbelievable. I gotta get coach on soon. Coach, coach gotta get you on soon. Yeah. No. With this podcast being based on the East Coast. Yes, sir. Tell the people a little history about Alabama and them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a couple of things that are huge were the, the large HBCU in the state of Alabama. We're in Huntsville, Alabama, which is the top 10 growing city in the country right now. And pretty soon to be the engineering capital of the United States of America. So our engineering program is unbelievable. Uh, we were recently voted number one by HBCU Digest as the number one STEM program in the country. So the school is actually on a hill. So the nickname of the school is The Hill, and you'll get a chance to walk that if you go. You'll enjoy it. You know I'm coming. You know I'm coming. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's really been a situation at Alabama A&M as far as the history and things of that nature. I mean, the the engineering program, the biology departments, a lot of our, our players are biology majors. We have a few history majors. And then the sports management program has been really unbelievable as well as professional opportunities in sports has really grown. You know, we are in the South uh, West Athletic Conference, the SWAC. It's not only great to be at a HBCU in regards to our school, but to play in a HBCU conference. It's a whole different level. You know, when we're playing non-conference game, a lot of times our players are really disappointed because, again, it's just like what they experience night in and night out when you're playing at Jackson State or Grambling or Southern or Alcorn or Mississippi Valley. I mean, what you're experiencing is, I mean, vibrant, aggressive, <laughs> getting after. I mean, those games. Yes. Listen, free money talk family. If you do not know the list of these names that he's talking, please go to the SWAT. 
Yes. Website right now. Yes. On Instagram, YouTube, wherever.com, org, whatever, and check it out. It is an experience. If you love the meat, you will love the swag. Swag. Yes, you'll love it. You'll love it. I, I mean, we do it a little bit. You know, it's a little. You know, we do it a little different this way. It's a little, it gets a little bit more dirty around here. You know, but it is. Uh, it's unbelievable. The athletes, the aggressiveness that's in our league, the talent that's in our league. I mean. We've had a McDonald's All-American in our league every year since I've been here. So when you're talking about having every year, year in and year out, multiple high major division one transfers in the league, that's just that's just different. That's not a lot. A lot of people can say that. Not a lot of places can say that. And uh, and a lot of times what is interesting is it's not people that weren't successful at their previous stop. It's people that wanted a different experience. It's people that are coming from big time programs and they were enjoying themselves, but they wanted something different. I mean, all the transfers in our league. I mean, they're, that, that's why they came. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Before we get off, Coach, three questions. I got okay. three questions for you right now. The first one is a question I ask everybody. What do you prefer, you know, hardwood or blacktop? Oh, outside, baby. I'm I'm from Florida. Listen, we get it. We get it on that concrete. You know, that's, the, you know, I was told a long time ago, concrete will give you heart, you know, so we, we were outside. I mean, I don't think I played basketball inside on a hardwood until I was in ninth grade. I didn't even, I couldn't get in the gym, played outside. Hey. See why we connect. Yeah. See why we connect. <laughs> And it's you know, 90 and 100 outside, too. It's a little different in Florida. So, you know, right. it's 90 and 100. Yes, yes. yes, sir. Next question, Coach. I got to put you on the hot seat. And I ain't, gonna, I ain't even going to put too much pressure on you because I only – give me your women's side all-time five that you coached. The women's side all-time five that I've coached, yes. There was a young lady that I coached at, uh, at Oldsmark Christian School that was just different. Five foot seven, touched the rim, and she was just explosive, explosive. Uh, her name was Rachel Reed. She went on to play at Troy. She was runner-up in Florida for JUCO uh, Player of the Year behind Evelyn Akatar, and uh, she was just a combo guard that could just get buckets. When I was at East Mississippi, there was this five foot eleven post player that I got to coach there that was the most productive, unorthodox player that I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't think she had any post moves. I don't, you know, she just got buckets and got rebounds. And so this young lady, her name was Quintisha Patterson. I coached her at East Mississippi. She actually led uh, the NJCAA in rebounding field goal percentage and points for a good amount of her freshman and sophomore year. And then, I mean, the last three, they're the no bark, all bite Lady Bulldogs that I coach right now. We've got three all-conference players on our team right now in point guard, Nigeria Jones, who is the toughest, hardest working kid that I've ever coached. She refuses to lose at any anything a sprint weightlifting shooting i mean nothing she don't want to lose at all she is the most fiery hard-nosed competitor in our point guard currently and then we've got dede harper who is a uh i mean she's alan iverson she's a five foot three five foot four walking bucket from indianapolis indiana and then uh in the middle we have Dariana Stretch Lewis, who is a box to row, all first team All American last year, preseason All American this year, top five in the country in field goal percentage. You know, SWAC Player of the Week this last week. She had uh, 19 points, 15 rebounds, five blocks, and four assists in our game versus Texas Southern. She's just freakishly, wow. at, she's different athletic. 
you know, she goes and gets it. If if anybody uh, wants to see what an athlete in the swag looks, please go on YouTube and go to AAMU Athletics and watch one of our games and watch number 21 because Dariana Lewis is a unbelievable She's the she's the most unbelievable rebounder I've ever coached on either side. The last question, Coach, is something that you normally give me every time we talk. And when we talk, it's probably only 10% basketball. Yeah. You, you're always giving me nuggets and knowledge on being a coach and being a husband. Yes, sir. Give me that same knowledge on my podcast so I can give it to my listeners. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we talk about this all of the time, you know, like basketball is unbelievable. I love it. I owe so much to it. But there are people in my life on a daily basis that they have to be huge priorities, you know? I mean, they have to be bigger priorities than basketball. And, and that's what we talk about all of the time, man. Like just growing as men, loving our wives, you know, like real deal, loving our wives. And uh, the, the thing that's so great about the game of basketball is it's taught me how to be a husband because as a basketball player, I have to operate in this process concept. I know that I'll never be perfect, but I always have to strive for perfection every day. And as a husband, it's the same thing. Like, I'm not going to be perfect, but I got to get up every single day and try to work hard at loving my wife more than I did the day before. Trying to be intentional with my time or my energy or my resources. Um, It's just huge. I'm so thankful for the game of basketball in showing me what process looks like. Like because that process, when properly implemented, carries over into everything else, and uh, and that's huge, bro. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you coming on tonight, Free Money Talk. Absolutely, you have a great night, bro. Thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning in to the Free Money Talk podcast. Hope you enjoy. Next episode coming soon.